Genesis 28.10, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place. Someone say a certain place. He tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took the stones of that place. Someone say that place. And he put them for his pillows and lay down in that place. Someone say that place. He lay down in that place to sleep and he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set upon the earth. I'm going to have you do a lot of repeating here. Someone say the earth. And at the top of it, it reached to heaven. Someone say heaven. And at that place, you saw the angels of God ascending and descending on it. On this ladder fixated between heaven and earth in this certain place. Verse 13, behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, the land. Someone say the land. The land where you are lying down, to thee will I give it. I'm going to give you this land and to your seed, to those after you. And your seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Someone say the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed will all the families of the earth, someone say the earth, be blessed. And behold, I am with you and I will keep you in all places that you go. Someone say all places. And I will bring you again into this land. Someone say this land. I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to you of. And Jacob woke up out of his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. Someone say this place. I didn't even know it. And he was afraid. And he said, How dreadful is this place. Someone say this place. This is none other but the house of God. And then the last time I'll ask you to repeat something after me maybe. This is the gate of heaven. Someone say the gate of heaven. Going to the New Testament now, Matthew 16, 13. I'd like you to repeat a bunch of stuff here, but I won't because you're probably getting annoyed. But verses 13 through 19, Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Some said you are John the Baptist. Some said Elias. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said, I want to know who you say that I am. And Simon Peter answered, said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you. This is a revelation, my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, this revelation, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, someone say the gates of hell. Maybe that might be the last time I ask you to say something. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm going to be rather pointed, quick, and I want to talk to you about the gates of heaven and the gates of hell. The gates of heaven and hell. Now, there are gates to heaven. There are gates to hell. We just read it in the Old Testament. We read it in the New Testament. That one situation, we have Jacob that was in a location, a certain place, this geographical location. And at that place, 
There was something particular about that destination that there was a ladder fixated between heaven and earth. And Jacob called it the gate of heaven. In the New Testament, Jesus talking to his disciples in this moment, this powerful moment of revelation of the identity of Jesus Christ, he makes this statement that I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build the people of God, the house of God, the church of the living God. And he makes the statement that the gates of hell will not prevail against him. Last week in service, if you were here or you could listen online, if you were not, we talked about how valuable we are. We are of tremendous value to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are made in the image of God. You and I, we have a specific design and purpose And we talked about this, that you perfectly fit into the design of the church or the body of Christ. We're not a random cosmic occurrence of some sort of evolutionary process. When you look into a microscope, you will find there is order to everything, however big or however small, microscopic it may be. There is an order. There is a structure. It is not chaotic. It is an intelligent design that has the fingerprints behind all of life. And in the beginning, God created man. And the Bible says the Lord spoke to Adam. And he says, I've created you to have dominion over the earth. He said, I have created you as a human being to have dominion over this planet that I have made, this earth that I have created. I've given you dominion over it to subdue it, to cultivate it, to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish. But not too far after, we don't know exactly how long, but man lost his dominion when he sinned. And he forfeited his dominion, his authority over the earth to Satan, to the devil, to the adversary. The Bible calls the devil, he calls Satan in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world. The devil is a force to be reckoned with. He is powerful. He is strong. He is a a, a spirit of significance in this world. And the Bible says in the New Testament, he is the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. This is significant. Why would the devil want dominion over this earth if there's no value to it? If this earth has no value whatsoever, why would the devil be so interested in having dominion over this earth? I was listening to a preacher friend of mine named Rashidi Collins. He's one of my top favorites ever. And he talks about this. And if you ever get a chance maybe to listen to Truth Radio, or I'm sure it might be on YouTube somewhere, but he talks about the gates of heaven and hell, and and he, he addresses it in a very powerful manner. It is worth your time if you can find it. But... He points out this thought of why would the devil be so interested if this earth is trivial, insignificant, not important, if it's irrelevant, if there's no value to it? Why does he fight so hard? Why does Satan fight so hard to establish himself, his strongholds, and make such great effort to go to great lengths to expand his kingdom on earth if, if earth is not significant whatever, whatsoever? We read in the Old Testament, Isaiah 5, 14, that hell is enlarging herself. 
Hell is opening her mouth without measure. You can't get a tape measure long enough to see how vast the remodel of hell is. Where Jesus said originally that that the, the lake of fire was prepared for the devil and his angels, but something's been going on where it's having to expand its territory. It's having to expand its reach to fit more people inside of it. Hell is establishing strongholds. Hell is expanding its kingdom. It's because property on earth is of incredible value. Real estate is power. And spiritually speaking, real estate of the earth represents kingdom power. The earth is the mediating ground between heaven and earth, or heaven and hell. The earth is the portal between these two gates. You have heaven above, you have hell beneath, and you have earth in the center between these two worlds. The earth is the portal between those two gates. The earth is the battlefield between two kingdoms. In Psalm 24 and verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. And he founded it upon the seas, established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend until the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? You see, the enemy wants to have dominion over the earth because it's the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. Therefore, because God sees the world of great value, it is of the adversary's thought process and a, manip- uh, a motive to usurp that authority and to try to take that authority of the Lord's, believing that if he can establish his authority on this world, he himself can be God and build his kingdom up to the heavens and get another shot at dethroning God. But we know how that's all going to turn out. Someone say amen. He wants to prohibit anyone from access to heaven's gate. The question that was posed here in verse 3, who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Who can get into God's property? You see, Satan wants to prevent and to prohibit anyone from access to heaven's gate because he wants to keep somebody back from the hill of the Lord or the hill of Calvary, the gate between heaven and of earth. He believes that if he can win this battlefield here on earth, and establish his dominion, that he could overall usurp God's kingdom. Now look, if you don't think there's any value or credence to what I'm saying, or any value to this piece of land, ask yourself this, why is the devil fighting you so hard? Why is the devil fighting this church so hard? Think about it. I asked them to put a list up here. It's the top ten least populated states in the United States of America. Number one, Wyoming, 572,000, some odd change. Then Vermont with 627,000. Then the District of Columbia, 711,000. Alaska, 735,000. North Dakota, 760,000. South Dakota, 892,000. Delaware, 975,000. Rhode Island, just over a million. Then Montana, just over a million. 
and then Maine with 1.3 million people. This is from the 2019 census. And seven of these states don't even have a million people living inside of them. And the Dakotas represent number five and number six. And so that top ten, which is, this is what I find interesting, is I started thinking about the geography and the battle in which we face. When you look at this list of ten, now I've traveled quite a bit. My wife and I, we ate at Paige's place yesterday, which was our first time. And Lord have mercy. If you've not been there, it's pretty good. Just saying. I, I love Will in, but I think I might. Anyways, I better get back on track here. But as we're sitting there having these, anyways, we, uh, there's on the table, they had placemats of the United States. And so my wife and I, the nerds that we are, we're trying to see who can feel them the most. I'm not going to say who won, though I think everyone knows my wife whooped me. I am completely dumb. But we did do something as it listed all the states, and we started circling off where we've been, where we preach, and and uh, there's only 13 states that I haven't been to, and I've seen a lot across this country. And what's interesting about this top 10 list that I read, this would be my observation and my personal experience, that top 10 is where Pentecost has had some of the least amount of breakthrough. Why? Those pieces of land are significant value. Though they may have the least amount of population, there's something significant about them. It's not true for every single one of them. I'm making a blanket statement, but let's just think of terms of South Dakota and North Dakota, number five and number six, the least populated state in our country. They play a major role in agriculture, in oil, in ethanol. They play a major role just in the weather pattern that moves through there, and we can go into some nitty-gritty and details, but I don't have time for that. But what I have learned is you look to the natural to understand the spiritual. It is representative. And if the enemy controls territories of agriculture and where weather patterns make the difference across this movement, then he has dominion. God has sent pioneers to take authority and dominion. Why? To manifest the glory of God in this region. You still don't believe it? Why does dead Christianity and and false native religion still have such a strong footing here then? Why does it feel we have to strain, that we have to struggle, and we have to fight for every square inch of victory? I, I, I'm telling you, I've been, all, I've been all over this country, and I've seen, it's just like you could sneeze in certain atmosphere, and everybody gets the Holy Ghost, everybody has a breakthrough. But there's other territories, it's gridlock. It, it's, it's an iron curtain that ho- hovers over that area. I'm telling you, it's because some of these areas on that list, that top ten, which I believe all ten of them, have yet to conquer the prince of the power of the air in that region. But I believe with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and with all my strength that God is about to reverse the curse. God is about to pierce through that iron curtain. If you believe that, would you clap your hands to the Lord? Just ask yourself, especially if you've lived in other states, not on that top ten. And consider... How much more difficult it is in this region compared to other regions you lived in. And I believe you will find it to be true. 
that there's something about these pieces of property, though they may have the least amount of people, and, and the political landscape tries to brush them off as insignificant and trivial and we shouldn't have equal power and votes and all that kind of stuff because they just kind of, whatever, they're not a lot of people. We're just a bunch of weirdos out in the middle of a cornfield with no trees and just the wind pounding us and frostbite all around. But see, the devil isn't letting up on this region for a reason. There are geographical territories that are gateways to the heavenly. Jacob, we just read, he stumbled upon one. The man has slept before. The man has pitched his tent in other places before and just had a sleepover somewhere. But he got to this certain place, and the heavens opened up. And a ladder was set up, and he saw the angels of the Lord ascending and descending upon that location. There are geographical territories that are gateways. There are portals to the supernatural, to heaven. Jacob stumbled on one. There are theological territories that are gateways to the heavenly. We just read in the New Testament, Peter, he stumbled upon one. Flesh and blood didn't reveal it to him. But when he got the revelation of who Jesus Christ was, the heavens was open to him. And Jesus said, look, there are the gates of hell that will attack this revelation. There are geographical territories. There are theological territories. And we could expound them both, but that's still not my main point here. The church here, this territory, this building in particular, not confined to a building, but the people (coughs) of this building. This church was prophesied by multiple men of God that this church would be a city of refuge that this church would be a world-renowned church that impacts globally. Now, you can look at the scene right now and not think of much. And you can also look at Jacob, who didn't have a down comforter. And Jacob did not have a nice sleep bed, sleep number bed, or pillow. It didn't look like much. It just looked like some dust, and it just looked like a bed of rocks that he set his head on. But God says, this place is where I will build my house. This geographical location, though it doesn't look like much, and though there's only one person that has made his abode and his head to rest here, God said, this place, this territory is where I'm going to spread something from the east to the west to the north and to the south. There are geographical locations on this planet earth that God has predestined, that God has ordained to have an impact. Still don't believe it? That's all right, because I believe it. God miraculously gave us this property. We must see the opportunity that is set before us as a gateway to the heavens in Watertown and ultimately here in South Dakota and beyond. We run the risk, hear me carefully, we run the risk of not only operating below our potential because remember, the lack of our best hurts everything. But we don't only run the risk of not operating below our potential, we run the risk of operating below the promise. 
There has been promise, countless prophetic promises from strangers that never had conversation one with another. They have come through this geographical. I know God's not confined to a building. Don't try to mess with my words here. I know that. Solomon knew that. Solomon was very aware of it. He says, God, what is the purpose of me even building this? The heavens can't even contain you. But God said, you still, I want you to build it. And this is how I want you to build it. And this is the blueprints, uh, blueprints to build it. And if you would do that, whoever would turn from their wicked ways and call on my name, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. There was something unique about Solomon's temple. God blesses property. Now, why should we establish the gates to heaven? Because if there's an open gate to heaven, then we can begin to see his kingdom come. Then we can begin to see his will be done. Where? On earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. God has an interest in this floating dirt ball spinning however bajillion miles an hour around the sun. God has very much interest in it. He didn't just, he could have spoke it all into existence in one millisecond and it would have been. But God took his time creating this. Why? Because it's of great value to him. And if we would do that, then we can have established dominion and authority. Then whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatsoever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That is what Jesus Christ told the birth of the church. That is what he told Peter. He says, look, this revelation between the gates of heaven and the gates of hell, there's going to be a kingdom battle. There's going to be a kingdom confrontation. But with this revelation and with this information, this relationship with me, you are going to be able to prevail against the gates of hell. There are a number of things we must do to accomplish this, but I'm only going to mention a couple very briefly. I have to be conscious of the time. But you guys can stay and pray for 10 hours if you like to. And I encourage that. But you could write these down if you like. And these are very apparent, very obvious. I sound like a broken record, and you're probably not going to write them down because you're like going to roll your eyes. But consistent daily prayer is a must if we're going to establish the gates of heaven here. If you're not praying daily, you are not establishing a gate to heaven and earth. You have to do that daily. Consistent daily Bible reading is a must. The revelation of the word of God, the word of God is so beautiful, it's so amazing, it's so powerful. And if we don't do that daily, we are not fixating a ladder between heaven and earth. Another is consistent daily outreach. It's a must. We can pray to God and we can read his word all we want, but if we don't reach for those who need that relationship with God and we don't reach to people who need to hear the word of God, then all is vain and it will be us four and no more. But here on earth, this earth, the property right here that we sit upon, here on this sacred real estate that the Lord miraculously has provided, we must keep the channel of heaven open. We must keep the ladder to heaven up. And the prince of the power of the air will continually try to knock down this ladder between heaven and here. God has fixated a ladder. God has opened an opportunity, a window for us to be a part of. I don't want to be, I don't want to make the mistake of Jacob and wake up and not even be aware that God is here. Because he woke up and he said, surely 
God is here, and I knew it not. The mistake, the greater mistake would for him to, to come to that awareness and then brush it off and move on. But I think there is an awareness in this room. I think there is a, 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 an understanding. We may not be able to put words to it. But if you've walked through this property, if you've walked on these hallowed grounds, there's something different in this room. There's something different in this place. It's not a competition against anyone else. It's not we're better than they're better or anything like it. The point is there's just some geographical locations that God favors. And there's a reason. There's many to it. And I'm not going to go through all that right now. You could listen to some seven locks of consecration on another day, but understand that there is a geographical thing going on here. God is setting something up between heaven and here, heaven and earth for the gates of heaven to be accessible in a more pronounced fashion than Watertown or any area has ever seen in this region before. If you believe that, would you clap your hands? I don't know about you, but I absolutely believe that God is wanting to pour out of his spirit upon all flesh in these last days. And I want to be that vessel. I want to be that channel. I want to be that conduit of God. The prince of the power of the air is going to continually try to knock down the ladder between heaven and here. But there's a way to keep the enemy back at bay and ultimately just to get him to flee. And we can keep that ladder up. I'm hurrying to a close here. Next few uh, portions of Scripture. Psalm 149, verse 6 through 7. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen punishments to the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon the judgment written. This honor has all the saints. Praise the Lord. You know, this is not a mistake in Scripture. You can read that and be like, oh, my, you know, man, God, what a jerk. What? What is? Remember, to get an understanding of the spiritual, God has set up the natural. And the Old Testament is the most clear, natural illustration of what God is doing in these last days in the spiritual. And he said, make no mistake about it, that this is about kingdoms. There is what is called kingdom confrontation. It's two kingdoms colliding one against the other. And when people stand their ground, there is a battle and a war that rages. And how we stand our ground is... We praise. We stand our ground when we praise. Psalm 149 and verse 6 that we just read. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth with the two-edged sword in their hand. Look, when we sing songs here, it's not just to see who sounds pretty and to see what our skill set level is. When we sing songs, it's not for us to look and stare at a worship team and just kind of nod our head or smile or giggle. What the purpose of all this is about is to have a high praise in our mouth unto our God. And when the praises go forth, there's a weapon in our hand if there's a praise in our mouth. That's what Psalm 149 verse 6 declares. And the purpose of that is to execute vengeance upon the heathen, that which is against God, the spirit world that is contrary, that is not subject to God. But when we begin to praise God, God says, I put a weapon in your hand that no weapon formed against you will prosper. That's the power of when we praise God. 
And it didn't just say let praises of God. It says let the high praises of God. I would encourage you. I would implore you at some point in your life, would you please just exercise your biblical right and elevate your praise to another level. It's one thing to praise God. It's a whole other level to praise him with the high praises. When you give God high praises, God puts a weapon of warfare in your hand. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And the Bible says in verse 8, we bind their kings with chains. Remember, this earth, there is a battle for territory. There is a competition and opposition for region, for land stake. And it says if you would have a high praise in your mouth, you can go forth and you can bind kings. You can bind kings with chains. You can bind their nobles with fetters of iron. I'm not talking about literal going out and, you know, chaining whoever owns South Fork. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there is a spiritual battle that happens when we begin to praise our God that whatever spirit props up South Fork can shut down one day. I absolutely believe that. And it's the will of God for that to happen. It's not the will of God for perversion to be set up and fed and uh, uh, contributed to here in Watertown, South Dakota. I'd like to see that, that adult bookstore that's overset by the interstate. I'd like to see that closed down. I'd like to see some casinos shut down. I'd like to see some, some alcohol, some bar places shut down. But see, those kings are propping it up. Those nobles are propping it up because there's yet to be a generation that has a high praise in their mouth that takes stake on this earth and says, you know what? I want to claim my territory. I want to see a breakthrough. I want to see a revival. I'm tired of seeing drug routes and kingpins setting up their territory in this region. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? It's all right if you don't believe me, but you go ahead and look it out. Be aware of it. You know you are, you are very aware by your flesh. You can feel. who The Bible says when the wicked are set up, that the vilest begin to roam freely. There's vile things that roam freely in this region. Why? Because wickedness is elevated. Wickedness is what rules and reigns the terrain. There's a reason why a high majority of men in this community are addicted to pornography. There's a reason why in this community alcohol rules and There's a reason why gambling messes up homes, because God is not king over this area. He wants to be. Ultimately, he is, and he's going to win. Make no mistake about it. But God allows people to come across some geographical centers that begin to surrender and submit and set up a ladder between heaven and earth. And God says, I'll send down some angels that way. I'll let the divine flow in that area. And there can be a breakthrough. Read Acts 19 if you think I'm crazy. Acts 19 says all of a sudden when a revival broke loose, everyone that was into sorcery and witchcraft and idol worship, they began to get their idols and their enchantment books, and they had a huge bonfire in that city. And all of a sudden it messed up the, the, the establishment. And all of a sudden the silversmiths got together and said, what are we going to do? We're, we're losing income. Our, 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 our smith shops are closing down. We can't make any of these, these idols of gold and silver because there's a mass conversion going on. What would happen if we had a mass conversion rate? I'm not talking about in name. I'm talking about in heart. If a true breakthrough in the spirit took place in this region. See, 
A lot of people are just comfortable with just passivity, comfortable Christianity. But I am very apparent, I'm very aware of the battle that rages. I want to win. I want to win. I want to win. The Bible says this in verse 9 of Psalm 149. This is the honor God has given to all the saints. See, your mistake will be that you think this honor is only given to a pastor. It's given to all his saints. God wants all his saints to have the high praises in their mouth and a sword in their hand and to take authority and dominion. So when you, what did Jesus say in Mark 16? You shall lay hands upon the sick and see them recover. It doesn't say licensed credentialed ministers lay hands upon the sick and they recover. No, you, the saints, have this honor of God that you can get to that place in God if you so desire. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. He's founded upon the seas, established it upon the floods. Who's going to ascend to the hill of the Lord? Right now it seems impossible because the gates of hell are so strongly established. But it says there's some things we could do to clean our hands in verse 4, to get our heart pure. Don't lift up our soul into vanity. There's so many trivial things we're caught up in. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord, righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him. Who's the generation? Look at this. Oh, Jacob. Jacob was the one that was first introduced with this geographical location with this ladder set up. And God says, there's a generation that are just like Jacob. And they found this place with God. And they found this ladder where the activity of the divine has taken place. And so here's what he tells this generation to do in verse 6. He says in verse 7, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory will come in. Who's the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. We are in a battle of kingdom confrontation, are we not? And the Bible says, if there's a generation like Jacob that would set up that ladder, it says, if they would lift up their heads, O ye gates, and they would be lift up everlasting doors, saying, you are the generation, you are the building, you are God's property. If you would lift up your head and lift up your gates, if you lift up your hand, because this is all about the gates of heaven and the gates of hell. And we have the opportunity to be a vessel that can be a gate of hell or a gate of heaven. I have determined to be a gate of heaven. I don't want to be a portal for hell to flow through. I want to be a gate, a channel in which the heavenly can flow through. It's up to you what kind of life you would like to live. But as for me and my house, I want to serve the Lord. I want to be a gate, a pathway that the presence of God can walk through so freely. But see, God so many times would like to walk through lives freely, but he stands at the door knocking because there's other guests inside of there that are not Jesus Christ himself. But he's saying, if you would just open up your your gates. If you would lift up your head, O ye gates, and be open up ye everlasting doors, the king of glory will come in. Verse 9, lift up your head, O ye gates, even lift them up ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory. It's like a drawbridge. It's opening up for a victorious king to come in. It's God who wants and will win the battle, but if we would open up our gates and let the king of glory come in. The Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says you are an earthen vessel. Remember? This earth 
this place that Jacob laid, this earth, this certain place, the ladder was set up. And the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But the Bible, as we just read here in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, says you are earth. You are earthen vessels. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the dwelling place of God. I believe that this piece of property is of tremendous value in the eyes of God. But you need to see that you are of tremendous value in the eyes of God. And it's not confined to this building. But when you exit out this building, what you've experienced in this house is for you to go out and you to set up some ladders in your home between heaven and earth. For you to set up some ladders in this community at your job where you set up that ladder where someone can meet heaven and earth that have never been in. That's what happens when you lift up your head where you're at and you look to the harvest where you're at and you lift up your head uh, gates. And when you begin to do that, the king of glory Glory comes where you are at. See, your hands lifted are the gates and the ladders to heaven. Revelation 2, 12 and 13, I'm just about done. To the angel of the church of Pergamos, write these things, says he that has a sharp sword with two edges. I know your works. This is Jesus talking, by the way. He says, I know where you dwell. It's where Satan's seat is. You hold fast my name. You don't deny my faith. Even in those days, Antipas was a faithful martyr. He died for this. He was slain among you where Satan dwells. See, our praise advances the kingdom. It puts a sword in our hand and in his hand. And to approach the kingdom of the adversary. And we read here that there was a church in Pergamos that was doing everything they can to take and dethrone the seat of Satan. And they built a church at the seat of Satan. We might think we got it rough, we got it bad. But I'm telling you, there was, there was literal martyrs in that day that died where Satan was ruling and reigning. But a church was being built. A church was being established. A strong people that would not deny the faith or the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we got to make sure that I know that where we are at is a seat of Satan. We have not overthrown the strong man in this region. But I believe it is the will of God. It's the promise of God for it to occur. But you got to see yourself as the earthen vessel. You are the piece of earth that God treasures. You are the piece of earth that God wants to put treasure in that earthen vessel, that jar of clay. And this jar of clay, if it would begin to make contact and set up a ladder. If you begin to see this lifting of the hands in church at People are so, it's a foreign concept in this region. It's so, it's so awkward and cultic and weird and backwards for someone to lift hands and, and to shout in church and to cry and to dance and to speak in tongues. People think it's backwards here. But I'm telling you, that's because this is the seat of Satan. But if we would ever break through and realize the value that each of you place when you begin to lift up your head, O ye gates, and be open up ye everlasting doors, the king of glory will come through that ladder of yours. The king of glory will begin to flow through you and we will dethrone the seat of satan someone say amen let's stand together in psalm 127 verse 1 through 5 last portion of scripture i'm done it's 245 psalm 127 verse 1 except the lord build the house that's what we're trying to build right the house of god the kingdom of god for we're wasting our time if we're building it and god's not building it we're wasting our time if God's not protecting the city and we're just trying to protect our own city. He says it's vain for you to rise up early or to sit up late, to eat bread of sorrows, for he giveth his beloved sleep. 
though children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of his womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. And happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They shall speak with the enemies in the gate. We have nothing to be ashamed of. We have nothing to be ashamed of. What we're trying to do is we've said it so many times. We're, we're here destined by God to break the cycle of dysfunction in this community. We're here to break that cycle of dysfunction. We're here to be a disciple and to make a disciple. And what happens is we begin to fill that quiver full of newborns, born-again children of God. The Bible says that that is the strength. May their arrows in the hand of a mighty man. And it says that we will not be ashamed. We will speak with the enemies in the gates. We will storm the enemy's gates. And we will build the gates of heaven. How can I be so sure? Jesus said it. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. The gates of hell will not prevail. And so if we stop worrying about well, what happens if I set up this ladder and the prince of the power there knocks it over? What if I, I make this effort to stride towards God? Or what if I try to witness to someone they're going to make fun of me? What if, what if I get rejected? If you would just not be ashamed to set up that ladder between heaven and earth and to lift up your head, O ye gates, and be open, ye everlasting doors, the king of glory will come through and the gates of hell will not prevail against this revelation church. It will not happen. It is a promise from Jesus Christ, and he is not a man that he should lie. I wonder if there's anyone that would like to come to this altar today that would like to just set up a ladder between heaven and earth personally. Not just, I mean, yes, we're going to do it as a church together, but there's just, there's just some, some strongholds of Satan in the seat of your heart that you, you feel like there's just hell going through it. Hell has access to you. The Bible says you as an earthen vessel can determine whether to have the gates of heaven or the gates of hell. And if you want to have the gates of heaven set up, you want that ladder set up in your heart to God Almighty, the Bible says with a high praise. When you begin to give a high praise unto God, he will put a sword in your hand and you will begin to bind the kings and the princes of this world. I don't know about you, but I don't want the prince of the power of the air to sit on the throne of my heart any longer. He has had a footing long enough. Today there will be a high praise in my mouth. There will be a sword in my hand and I am going to have have victory in Jesus' name. Come on, lift up your voice and lift up a praise. God is about to give someone victory here today. Come on, if you need victory today, if you need the Holy Ghost today, the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, lift up your head, O ye gates. Be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory will enter in. Come on, you want Jesus in your heart? Lift him up. Open up your gates. Open up your gates. Set up a ladder for Jesus to enter in right now. I pray by the power and the authority of the word of God. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church of the living God is predestined to win. We shall be victorious right now. Go ahead and lift up your voice.